Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Thursday, December 10th. We begin with a look at the impact the new provincial restrictions will have on local businesses. We get reaction from Mary Moran, President and CEO of Calgary Economic Development. Continuing the conversation on the challenges facing local businesses, we speak with the manager of a family-run restaurant on the changes they're making ahead of the newly announced restrictions in order to keep their new business afloat. While many Canadians are facing financial hardship, a new study shows national household income has actually increased in 2020. We'll get the numbers and the details from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And finally, tis the season for online scams. Our Dave McIver speaks with the Better Business Bureau for some tips on what to look for and how to safeguard yourself from being a victim of cybercrime during the holidays. 8.43 on the morning news. Calgary's economy and businesses will take yet another hit when the new restrictions kick in this weekend. Joining us to talk about the effects is Mary Moran, President and CEO of Calgary Economic Development. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning. Mary, uh, what are your thoughts on the state of Calgary's economy as we look towards these newly announced restrictions kicking in? Well, obviously, um, it's understandable. I mean, I think the government is trying to do a, uh, you know, is doing a pretty good job of protecting the health and considering the economic livelihood of Calgarians, but it's uh, a difficult situation for them for sure. And uh, obviously any gains that we have made, um, which we were starting to make some great um, employment gains going from 15.6% unemployment to 10.7, although it was still very high, at least we were putting uh, people back to work. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think if you look at the places it's going to be hit, uh, particularly uh, restaurants, uh, retail even, that, you know, we're going to lose some of that gang that we did make. And uh, that's never a good thing before Christmas. I know you must get a lot of feedback. So how are business owners feeling? It, obviously a difficult time, but do they most believe moving forward this is the right thing to do now to ensure a healthy economy in the future? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think the numbers speak for themselves and, you know, the, uh, uh, they were escalating at such a rapid rate and, and not just the number of cases and the percentage of people being diagnosed, but obviously there was grave concern about the number of people in hospital and number of people in ICU. And I don't think there was really another option at all. And so, um, you know, I think this, is, I always say that, you know, we're still dealing with mystery here with no, not a lot of history. And so it's, these are very challenging decisions and I just applaud all political um, appointees uh, and representatives because I think these are really difficult times for sure. Mary, I'm wondering how these conversations have changed from the uh, first uh, round of lockdowns in March to, uh, to current day because back then we had absolutely no idea what to expect. Are you hearing a, a different tone seeing as these business owners have gone through this once already? are better prepared. I think a lot of people have been able to take their services online or do curbside pickup and we encourage a lot of people to continue to do that because I think, you know, what we do know about this, uh, about COVID is that it has accelerated the adoption of digitization and of course here, the last news story was all about tech companies and of course you know, the technology applies to all industries uh, and certainly we've seen that acceleration during COVID. Um, but I think, you know, the other big question people often have is really about office space. Do, are people going to stay at home forever? And I think people are pretty fatigued from Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I would say recent reports are saying that business leaders are more inclined to give flexible work schedules as opposed to having people work from home. And that's very applicable in Calgary because we're a knowledge-based economy. And coming together is where uh, innovation and uh, creativity occurs. And so it's very much part of our culture. Um, to meet people, you know, on a plus 15 and do a deal on a handshake because you can see the whites in their eyes. Yeah. And 
And I don't think we'll lose that in downtown Calgary. It's not like we have problems like other major cities of long commutes, etc. But I do think that people will be embracing much more flexible work schedules. And uh, that's a good thing. But, you know, research proves that if, you know, for knowledge-based workers, if they're at home for more than two days a work week, it starts to erode the corporate culture and erode uh, productivity for the corporation as well. So, you know, I'm more worried about consolidation in the energy industry still having a big impact on the downtown office space. Uh, Mary, are there support plans being put in place from when we come out the other side of this? Absolutely. I mean, we have been, you know, obviously trying to deal with responding to the crisis, uh, helping the companies rebuild, but also looking at the recovery. And so there's, um, you know, foreign direct investment or company attraction really dropped off in the, around the world. A lot of decisions were being deferred, but we did certainly see in the latter part of the year that activity picking up and, and you know, do have some announcements coming up, uh, you know, towards the end of the year and also into the new year that are net new for Calgary and people should be encouraged by them. And, um, you know, so we're still working very much on Calgary in the new economy, our strategy to, uh, you know, ensure that Calgary is the place for the world's best entrepreneurs to come and embrace technology. And uh, the government of Alberta has been doing a great job uh, aligning to that strategy. And I think we're moving forward. We're in a much better situation um, to advance uh, some of our initiatives under that, including diversification, but uh, really embracing this tech piece. Mary, thanks so much for your time this morning. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. That is Mary Moran, President and CEO of Calgary Economic Development. 709 on the morning news. Alberta is heading into its second and strictest lockdown since March. But can a new startup restaurant weather the storm of these new increased restrictions? Maria Hunter is manager of Fuji Ramen and Sushi in South Calgary. Joins us now with more on the challenges of running a business during the pandemic. Good morning to you, Maria. Good morning, guys. How are you guys today? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us. So tell us about your restaurant. You actually launched your restaurant during the pandemic. Is that right? Yes, we opened up uh, the restaurant in um, May of this year. It's interesting because you opened in May. So to you, when you opened, you probably already had the plexiglass barriers uh, ready to go and distance tables. This is all you've known, right? Yeah, all we've known. um, You know, it's our first uh, family-owned restaurant. And um, opening during COVID, um, we didn't really know um, what to expect. But, um, you know, we... Um, had to follow the rules and have the plexiglass and then 25% capacity. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a rough start, but a, a good start. No doubt a rough start for sure. So what's your plan moving forward, Marie? I mean, you, you launched in a tough time, so you know yes. what it's like already, but now we yes. get greater restrictions coming. What, what are you planning for? Um, we're planning for, um, so we have, um, we currently have DoorDash as our, as our courier. And we do have takeout. Um, but commencing next Tuesday, we applied for um, Skip the Dishes. So that would help us, um, you know, take our, our our food out into the customers. Um, we've been running for eight months, so people um, have tasted our food and um, they like it. So they want to help um, support local. Mm-hmm. And that's what our customers have been saying. So. Yeah, I've tasted it. I've been there uh, twice in a few weeks, Sue, by the way. Uh, <laughs> delicious stuff. So I want to talk about something that's really intricate about your business in the sense that we've heard a lot about those helps uh, for businesses in need. They've had to change and, and, and kind of downsize with their seating and their uh, capacity to have customers in. Mm-hmm. Uh, your business, because you started in May, you're not even eligible for some of these. Is that right? No, we're not eligible for the grants because um, we haven't 
um, they want us um, they want us to show a rev- um, decrease of revenue from last year, and we weren't open last year. And then um, for this year, we weren't open in January, so we can't show any any um, decrease in revenue. So we're um, we're gonna see if we could um, do a letter up and. Um, see if we can get any help. Gosh, Maria, good for you mm-hmm. for plugging along. This has got to be difficult for you. Is it? Do you feel like as a small business in the city of Calgary, you're getting enough support despite all this craziness that can't really be helped? But are you getting support from Calgary Economic and all sort of that that kind of side of things? Um, I'm well. You know what? A lot of food bloggers. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very I'm very on like on the media side. So. Um, uh, we have our own Instagram, Food Ramen and Sushi. So I've a lot of food bloggers that have helped us um, just get our name out there, and um, with social with social media. Also, just word of mouth. Um, people do love the food, so they they just recommend us, and um, they come and try it. They love it, and stuff like that. So um, I'm not too worried. Um, a lot of people want us to 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 stay. They don't want, they don't want us to see us go. They always mm-hmm. say we have to support local. So it's very important. Um, for um, Calgarians and p- people across Alberta to support the small businesses. If not, it's by local. <laughs> Maria, how does it work in the restaurant industry? Are you in touch with other restaurateurs and, uh, you know, share game plans and see what they've done that has worked or what they've done that does not work? Do you, do you talk to the other restaurants? No, I, I, I've been thinking about that, but um, just in our plaza in Avenida in, in the southeast there, um, I know that the Razor's Edge beside us um we try to support each other. Like, you know, if they get a haircut, they can come, <laughs> can come <laughs> sure. eat at Fuji. At Fuji, go get a haircut, stuff like that. So, but yeah, yeah we have to um, support um, each other. Maria, what is it like? You know, we hear lots about these the delivery services that will come mm-hmm. pick up your food and bring it to our homes. Is it yes. is it sort of a you know necessary evil to be aligned with them? Yeah. Um, because you know they do take um, they, they do take commission, mm-hmm. and um, the thing is because we're so small and people don't know who we are yet, it it'll help a little bit. It's it's better to have um, something than nothing. So, but right now, um, if people like right now are starting next week, there's mandatory stay at home to work, right? So, um, you know, phone I'm offering a ten percent off, twenty five dollar minimum order. Um, yeah, we just need to get our food out there and try to survive this this um, four-week minimum. So en- encouraging people to come on their yeah. own and pick up, but the other, yeah. you kind of have to have it hand in hand, right? Yeah, you need a break, right, from home? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so, but you do have those other services set up, but I'm wondering, this yeah. is kind of a math question, mm-hmm. if you're offering up a 10% discount of $25 mm-hmm. or more, mm-hmm. does that put a restaurant financially further ahead than using one of these services? I say I don't really to crunch the numbers. We'll probably lose a little bit, but um, yeah, we'll it see what December and customers <laughs> coming in. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, our evenings and for the dinner rush, people I, we get a lot of phone calls and they love to even just come to, to say hi because um, for eight months they've you know they're they're more like family now. So when they come, it's like hi, how are you doing? You know, it's always nice to 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 chat just a little bit. To say hi. Are you finding that Maria? That you know, Calgarians are really seeing, uh, particularly love a family-run business, love a small yes. business. That yes. people are really sort of almost going out of their way to try yes. and help these businesses Absolutely. survive. 
Absolutely. Like I have customers that say um, they just, they, they, well, for the eight months for dining in there, they just love being there. They, they, they feel welcomed. Um, they love the food and they, um, they don't want to see us go. And yeah, they, let, they just love the family, the family um, vibe in there. And Maria, when you say family business, if you can break mm-hmm. it down for us, how much of your family uh, <laughs> is involved with this? Because it's a very interesting story. Yeah, so um, my we we actually own another business, uh, so we run two businesses. So uh, my my dad last year decided to open the restaurant. So um, I work there. My daughter works there. My son works there, and um, and uh, yeah, it's um, all family, and um, we have a good good um, kitchen staff that has become our family too. Is the payment Sorry. getting to uh, have a roof over your head <laughs> at this point? Or I bet it's I bet, family. You say, okay, you're working. So right? you That's just the way it is. But I mean, you know, yeah. you guys obviously thrive on, you know, having to push a little bit harder, mm-hmm. right? When you yeah. open during this time, it's, it's just got to be that much more difficult. So good yeah. on you for, for continuing to try and make this work and hopefully uh, Calgarians will support it. Yes, thank you very much. It's it's been um it's been hard, but I just I absolutely I absolutely love it. I absolutely love the the restaurant and the customers that come in. Good stuff. Well, thank you for sharing your story. We appreciate it, Maria. Thank you very much. You guys take care. You too. That is Maria Hunter, manager of Fuji Ramen and Sushi, online at fujiramenandsushi.com and on social media at Fuji Ramen and Sushi. It's just another great example of, you know, small businesses in Calgary. They're doing everything they can. And, and I love hearing that people are doing whatever they can to, to try and support as much as possible whenever possible. Well, and I heard the story when I said to her, well, you know, what's the plan? Uh, because she knows you know, every every restaurant has that day circled on the calendar on Sunday. And as we spoke with Danielle yesterday, some of these businesses have to stop their food orders or maybe they're shutting mm-hmm. down or, you know, they have to make these plans. And so she was saying, okay, this delivery service, that delivery service, a discount for, for, for pickup and uh, it's reinventing. Is it what you planned? No. You, you, you paint the walls in your restaurant. You've got beautiful tablecloths. You want people to you be put there. put your life savings in it because you Not think that case. it's going to work and then boom, pandemic, right? Absolutely. 8-11 on the morning news. A recent report shows household incomes actually rose 11% this year amid the pandemic. And that's more than any OECD country. Aaron Woodrick, the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayer Federation, joins us now with more on the federal spending programs that have been in place. And uh, if that has had the influence that we're seeing uh, represented by that number. Good morning to you, Aaron. Good morning, Andy. It's counterintuitive, Aaron, you, you know, outside looking in that Canadian, uh, their household incomes, uh, ca- uh, Canadians household income has actually rose during the pandemic, 11%. Yeah, it's really counterintuitive. And it, when you think about it, uh, for, for all the people who have lost their jobs, those people are obviously doing worse uh, and they need as much help as they can get. The flip side, though, is there have been people who have kept their jobs, didn't take a pay cut, um, and are essentially had seen their costs go down. They can't travel. They can't go out and spend money the way they normally would. So some people are actually better off. And when you look at the total amount that's been lost in income and compare it to the amount of money that's been sent out by Ottawa, you get a number something like $7 going out to replace every dollar that was actually lost in income. So is that the concern then that the feds have done perhaps too much in light uh, of, you know, the, the financing that the financial aid they've, they've provided for Canadians during this time? Yeah, it's, it's hard to be too critical, uh, Sue, because obviously they were in a rush and they're not going to get everything right. So I think they deserve a little slack cut there. But going forward, they need to be aware of this. For these programs where they sort of overshot their target, they need to get better at targeting the money where, where it's needed most rather than just sort of scattershotting it out there. Because as we can see, if you don't design the program well, it can, it can start to get very expensive. 
Aaron, is is this a one-off? Uh, are we a standalone country in uh, seeing this phenomenon? Well, we've been more generous in some countries, but that, the flip side is the money hasn't always been targeted uh, in the best way. And as I said, I don't want to be too hard on the government. It's, it's tough to design a program in a matter of weeks, but what I would say they're obligated to do is going forward, they need to get better and better at it. Uh, now we have vaccines. No, there does seem to be a more finite end to this over the next year, year and a half, rather than the sort of open-ended, we're just going to close our eyes and throw the money and hope it hits the people who need it most. And let's face it, I mean, moving forward, Aaron, you're right, the, 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 the vaccine is, is upon us, but this doesn't all just end as soon as the vaccine becomes available. No, it doesn't. And, and, you know, the government has a responsibility, especially to those people, uh, if you think of businesses where they ordered them to shut down. Um, you know, if you put someone in a coma, it seems reasonable to ask for life support. The real challenge that I think the government is going to have is winding down some of these programs because uh, it's simply impossible to replace, uh, you know, to save every single business, for example. And the government's going to have to make some tough choices about the best way to shape uh, the help and, and who needs it the most. Well, moving ahead, now we say, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, what would you say should have been done differently as far as uh, less money uh, uh, doled out or just more focused and targeted? What, what looks like the best option? Yeah, I mean, again, it's hard to critique other than to say I think one of the big factors in uh, in the number of job losses was they rolled out two things at the same time, the $2,000 a month program, the CERB, and also a wage subsidy, which came later. Um, and because it came later, a lot of people were already laid off before that wage subsidy could kick in. So that had a, the timing of that had a big impact. But again, I, I, as much as I have, uh, you know, I think reasonable critiques of this government, it was a, a pretty crazy time where everyone had to move quickly. So I'm focused more on how can they do better going forward than sort of hitting them over the head for what they did in the past. Yeah, fair enough. So, and just to last point on that, is it too late to sort of claw back some of that? Is it, you know, the horse is out of the barn, it's, that's done? Or do you try and, and recoup some of what was given out erroneously, perhaps? Yeah, unless they have broken any rules, a business, for example, has broken a rule or an individual was, who was not eligible, uh, you know, was claiming. Those are those are cases of fraud and they should be clawed back. But uh, in other cases, you know, if you set up rules in a way that can be easily uh, taken advantage of, it's very hard for you to go back and change the rules later. So it really is a, a question of going forward, making sure the programs are better designed. Aaron, as far as, you know, those people who have some more money who might be looking at investing and taking out some loans or those people who have needed to take out some some money uh, just due to the fact that they're jobless or, or can't make ends meet, do we have a dangerous situation looking ahead with these historically low interest rates? And if they do change in the next couple of years, we might see some Canadians in trouble? That is the real risk. And that's that's the thing that a lot of people are saying, we don't have to worry about debt right now because interest rates are cheap. But that's a bit like saying you had a good night at the casino and so every night is going to be good. We're very fortunate right now interest rates are low. If they were not, we would already have a serious problem. Um, and so going forward, I think the government, just like a household, uh, needs to think about ways to minimize that risk. Uh, otherwise, we're going to have some, some very painful times ahead. That is uh, definitely a concern for sure. Thank you so much. Great conversation. Appreciate it, Aaron. Yeah, thanks for having me. That is Aaron Woodrick, who is the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And there, and there's the issue, right? I mean, your neighbors could very much be struggling. Um, I'm going to use just a, a real asinine example here, just way out there. But maybe I own a plexiglass shop. And at the beginning of the pandemic, business was mm. all right. And, and now it's Boom. been busier than ever. I've yeah. had to add employees. Um, I'm kind of using the term rolling in it. Um, it's such a, it's really this huge gap that perhaps we've never experienced. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, to that, to that point, I think that we can all, and I like how he mentioned more than a couple of times that he can't poo-poo the government because there was no plan for this. But lessons learned, hopefully moving forward, right?
After six days of advances, Canada's main stock index stumbled yesterday as anxiety over Brexit and demands on energy dragged things down. Toronto's S&P TSX losing 79 points, settling at 17,559. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial dropping 105 points to 30,068. Asian markets slipped into the red this morning with Japan's Nikkei finishing down 61 points to 26,756. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong ended, uh, ended 92 points down, closing at 26,410. Our dollar trades overseas this morning over 78 cents at 78.37. That's up slightly. And WCS trading at $33.40 per barrel. Employment in Canada's auto sector is still down nearly 13% in the third quarter compared with the same three months last year. But Desrogers Automotive Consultants Incorporated says the industry is slowly recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic, gaining back nearly 15,000 jobs in the third quarter. The consultancy says the closure of General Motors plant in Oshawa, Ontario at the end of last year has also taken a toll on the industry's uh, workforce. Desrogers reports an 18.3% drop in manufacturing jobs, a 16.6% fall in dealership jobs, and a 12.6% fewer maintenance jobs, uh, maintenance jobs rather, in the summer of 2020 compared with 2019. And in the world of tech, Facebook is being taken to court in the U.S. Will Reinhardt is a senior fellow at the Center for Growth and Opportunity at Utah State University. He says new legal action against Facebook focuses on the company's acquisition of Instagram and WhatsApp. There is this question of whether or not uh, Facebook bought WhatsApp, um, but more particular Instagram, to basically stop competition in the social media space. He notes that Facebook has made an effort to bring the three apps closer together. That's going to make it even more difficult to kind of pull the companies apart. But the pulling them apart was was already going to be a technical nightmare to begin with. Which means Facebook users could see other measures taken. Some sort of mandate on use of Facebook data, right? So this is the idea of interoperability or that, you know, Facebook data that you should easily be able to access your Facebook data or your Instagram data to take it to somewhere else to a, to a competitor. And that's a look at your business. Six forty two scammers always looking to take advantage of the kindness people show during the holiday season. Well, our roving reporter Dave McIver has looked into what you should be watching for to avoid getting scammed and some tips on what you can do if you think you see a scam while you're online. With Christmas looking much different this year and many of us going online to do our shopping over the holiday season, one thing can be certain. Mean one, Mr. Scammers will be out in full force as well. Shauna K. Thomas is a communications specialist with the Better Business Bureau, and we chatted about a couple of online scams that consumers should be aware of over the next couple weeks. So heading into the Christmas season, we're expecting that for online shopping, we're going to be having a lot of consumers going to um, sites to make their purchases. We're also going to be having a lot of retailers wanting to go online to sell um, their services or to sell their products. And so online scams is one that we're cautioning people about. If you're shopping online, you want to make sure that you're going to the legitimate website um, for the company that you want to shop with. So do your research. Avoid clicking on those pop-up ads that you're seeing because scammers are mimicking legitimate businesses. And we suspect that going into this season, we're going to be seeing more of that. As we have been seeing since COVID, um, more fake websites popping, popping, popping up. So... What are some things we can look for when we are shopping online to make sure a website's legitimate and not fraudulent? 
So for good solid business for their website, you want to make sure that it has that lock symbol in the URL that suggests that the website is secure, as well as it says HTTPS and not just HTTP. That also suggests that the website is secure. You also want to check for contact information on that website. Somebody you can call, you can reach out to if something should go wrong with the service that you're trying to get or the product that you've bought. You need a contact person and contact information. Um, look for misspellings. So if there are grammatical errors and misspellings on that website, um, you may want to check another website. Um, that's an indication that it may also be a website that you know was done on the go and you just scammer just want to get it up and going. Um, and make sure that there's a physical location as well as best as possible some kind of physical address um, that you can go to if there is a problem. And if in doubt at any time, there should be a number that you can call the business, right? If you're ever in doubt, there should be at least a number that you can call the business to make a query, to file a report, to have a discussion with somebody, a real person. And while we're online, many people like to use social media. Well, of course, that's an issue as well. And Shauna Kay says you should be looking out for those gift exchanges. These social media exchanges may seem fun to participate in. You're sharing gift with somebody else, expecting a gift in return, but you're also giving away very personal information that you don't know who will get their hands on it, how it will be used. And most times these social media exchanges, you end up not getting a gift. So be on the lookout for those ones as well. Now that we know what to look out for, what's Shauna Kay's best advice for shopping online? this holiday season. Our best advice from the Better Business Bureau is to um, support local during this time. There are many local stores that have websites up. You can call and verify what their web address is and go there and shop. And when you're shopping online, you want to do your, you want to double check. So make sure you're researching the company that you're shopping with. Make sure you're doing research about, you know, any complaints they've had, how they dealt with their complaints, any reviews on that business. If people got their products on time, if they got what they ordered, um, do your research. Research is going to be very important during this time because we suspect that many people are going to be going online and scammers are going to be um, trying to tap into that by creating fake websites. And if you're shopping online and you think you found a fraudulent website, there's options for you as well. So if you're online shopping and you encounter a scam, we, have, we, you know, we are encouraging consumers to call the Better Business Bureau um, and you can also make a report to our BBB scam tracker. This will keep us alert and help us to, you know, make other consumers aware of what's happening in the marketplace so that we can avoid, we can help more people um, to avoid falling for these scams. So file a report with the BBB. You can report to Canadian Anti-Fraud Center as well. Or if it's a local situation, the police may be able to assist you. So if you're going to be shopping online this Christmas season, use those tips so scammers aren't taking advantage of you. And if you can, shop local. We know our businesses need it. I'm Dave McIver with Global News Radio 770 CHQR. Some great tips there from Dave for sure. Mm -hmm.